Welcome to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast, featuring sermons given at our church and community center located in the Lincoln Estates neighborhood in Gainesville, Florida. If you find these messages beneficial, if you're part of our community, or if you want to help support the services we're providing to Southeast Gainesville, you can text the word GIVE to 352-562-7771 to make tax-deductible donations. Here's this week's message. Hello. Thanks for tuning into the Gainesville Vineyard online Sunday service. I'm Mike Rayburn. My wife Amy and I are lead pastors here at Gainesville Vineyard. We're so grateful to have you with us for this service. Our scripture today comes from 1 Samuel chapter 2. Uh, let's look at this together. I'm just going to read the first uh, four verses. Uh, this is from Hannah's song. After Hannah has asked the Lord for a child, she couldn't bear a child. Her sister wife was bearing lots of children for her husband Elkanah. And she goes to the to the tabernacle and she can't have children and she begs the Lord for children and the Lord hears her prayer. And after she has her son Samuel, uh, this is what she sings. This is another one of these songs that women sing. The Bible is full of them. They're so great. Hannah says, and Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My strength rises up in the Lord. My mouth mocks my enemies because I rejoice in your deliverance. No one is holy like the Lord. No, no one except you. There is no rock like our God. Don't go on and on talking so proudly, spouting arrogance from your mouth, because the Lord is the God who knows, and he weighs every act. The bows of mighty warriors are shattered, but those who were stumbling now dress themselves in power. Last week we looked at the story of Ruth, the last couple of weeks. And I want to pick up a bit on that again today and look at this story. But what stands out to me the most is this word that Hannah uses here. She uses the word deliverance, which just struck me as interesting when I thought about this woman who had just given birth to her first child, a son. She had delivered her baby. And yet in her praise of God, she calls God her deliverance. And it got me to thinking what if the deliverance of God always looks like midwifery? What if God is our doula and God delivers us in the same way that women deliver children through pushing and through labor? And God comes and assists us and is with us and his presence bears with us as we do that work and he helps us to do that work. And that's what one, one of the things I want to focus on today is that, is just being in a moment where we're experiencing the deliverance of God, experiencing delivering from something old to something new, to birthing a new expression, to birthing new life, and all the work and travail and trial and presence of God as our doula that go into all of that. And I think it's important because as we've been talking about for the last few weeks, we're in this transition moment in our world, in our society, in the, in the church Big C, and even in our own expression here at Gainesville Vineyard. And I posted online that we did something unique in the history of the church. I don't know if it was all that unique. It was rare, to say the least. And I'll go ahead and tell you what it was. So so this is, this is uh, I'm not going to say it online other than this. So uh, for those of you that weren't there and were, and were interest were piqued by my Facebook post, here you go. We had our grocery giveaway. Uh, we've got one coming up this Wednesday. We had one two Wednesdays ago, and at the end, they were some there were some leftover vegetables in in the in the parking lot, and we gave a, a load of sweet potatoes to Grace Marketplace, and we took some of the uh, the rest of the rotten vegetables. Some of them 
are like that always, uh, to our compost bin for a community garden. Um, but the, there was uh, quite a bit of potatoes that were just rotten. And Hannah O'Malley said, you can't put those in the compost bin because they won't compost and turn into uh, fertilizer for new growth. They'll just grow more potatoes. And so I, I used that as a sermon illustration last week that sometimes you just have to let things go. You can't keep them. You can't repurpose them. You can't replant them because they're just going to grow more of the same and they're rotten. So you have to toss them. And so that was my illustration. And then as an activation, I had everyone think about what in their life they needed to, to let go of, to throw away, to get rid of. And then I had them go out and grab a bag of those rotten potatoes and, 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 and let that stand in for whatever in their life they need to let go of and then put that in the dumpster. So it was not a sneaky way of getting the, the potatoes cleaned out, although it wasn't not that either. Uh, but it, it was powerful for some folks and and we did get the parking lot cleaned up too. So that was good. So we were talking last week about things that we need to let go of, things we need to toss, things that need to go away. And part of what I want to focus on today in this text is that that's just a part of life. And, and we see this here because uh, it's, it's Eli, the, the priest and the prophet, who meets Hannah and prays for her. And, and she's going through this tra travail and, and, and praying earnestly. And Eli thinks she's drunk and all of that. And I'll let you read the full story in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of 1 Samuel on your own. Um, but it's Eli who's leading the, the, the worshiping congregation that are the Israelites at this point. Uh, and he has two sons who are assisting him in that, supposedly. But his two sons are terrible. They're, they're very bad. They're abusive to people. Uh, they're in it for their own wealth. They're not serving the Lord well. They're not serving the people well. They're bad news. And so part of what's happening here is God is bringing a new person onto the scene in Samuel to take the place of Eli's sons. Because Eli's sons, they don't get to be in leadership anymore because they're bad. They're rotten potatoes and they have to go away. And so then Samuel uh, is raised up and continues and does the work that Eli had done. But if you read on, Samuel's sons are just as bad as Eli's sons had been. Now, I don't know if that's because Eli trained Samuel and the same training went back into him. Sort of the way if you put potatoes in a compost bin, you just get more potatoes and round and round it goes. But Samuel, as, 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 as powerful and important as he was to the history of Israel, turns out not to be that great of a leader. He doesn't pass a good legacy on to his sons. They're just as bad as Eli's sons or worse. Um, he makes uh, Saul's life very difficult. He's, he's jealous of Saul's leadership. He's, he begrudges Saul being king. And, and at least some of Saul's failures are, are down to Samuel's uh, refusal to guide him and mentor him and lead him well. Um, and, and then after Saul's failure, Samuel almost picks the wrong king again. He goes to, to Jesse's house and wants to pick one of David's brothers and not David because he's looking uh, with eyes of the flesh, not with eyes of the spirit. And, and, and God has to say, no, I've, re I've rejected all of them. You don't get it. You're not getting it, Samuel. You're not ending well. And we see this over and over again in Scripture. Moses, who's the greatest prophet of the Hebrew Bible, doesn't get to go into the promised land. He starts well, he does wonderful, and then it doesn't end well. And then the children of Israel get to the promised land, and then they make a, a muck of it. It's just a, a huge mess. And so then we have Eli, and his sons are a mess, and Samuel, and then his sons are a mess, and David, oh my goodness, well, Saul, I'm skipping Saul again. If you read the, the entirety of David's life and story, um, it's a tragedy. 
it's a tragedy on the order of a Greek tragedy or uh, Faulkner's uh, novel Absalom, Absalom, if you've read that. Um, this, is, this is the story over and over again in scriptures that things end and they have to be replaced. There's death and there's, and there's, and there's d decay and deterioration and then we birth into new life, into newness. I'm almost through packing up from the recording, and I just realized that I forgot to go back to Ruth like I said I was going to. So let me just drop this in real quick as an insert into the other sermon video. Uh, the part I wanted to bring up was that the book of Ruth, I was going to mention this last week, but it didn't fit in last week's sermon. Uh, the book of Ruth is set in like the 8th century, you know, like we're talking about David's grandfather, great-grandfather, uh, in, his, in his ancestry. But it wasn't written down until the 5th century. Uh, after the exile, and it was written for a specific reason. The, the oral tradition probably goes back further that, that this was David's lineage, but the story itself and, and all the details and how it gets fleshed out uh, was written down in the 5th century. And it was written for a very specific reason, because after the Judahites came back from exile to Babylon, and you can read this in Ezra and in Nehemiah, um, the leaders were very fierce in not allowing the people to intermarry with uh, the people who became the Samaritans and other Gentiles who had been moved into the land by, by the Babylonians and by the Assyrians even before them. Um, and even by people who had remained in the land who had been Judahites or Israelites and had intermarried with some of those, um, with some of those folks that had been brought in as immigrants. Uh, and, and again, you can look at this in Ezra and Nehemiah. They were fierce. Not only would they not allow them to marry these folks, they, they in, in some instances, uh, made them annul their marriages, abandon their wives, abandon their children, because they were just uh, that intent on ethnic purity uh, for the Jewish people. And again, that's not something that we would condone in our day. And it's also not something that the writer of the book of Ruth was willing to condone. The book of Ruth itself is, is a polemic against that practice. The book of Ruth is that writer saying, you're calling for racial purity among marriage and offspring, but uh, the great-grandmother of David was a Moabite. Remember I told you last week, the Moabites were, were the, some of the Gentiles that the, that the early Israelites uh, had the most uh, ill will towards and, and thought the most lowly of. And so, in writing this story, where where Ruth is the is the heroine, and the and the you know the ancestor of David uh, is a Moabite woman, and, and it's such a beautiful and wonderfully conceived story. Uh, the author of Ruth, the author one of the authors of Scripture, is saying to Ezra and to Nehemiah and to all of those leaders, "What you're doing is wrong." And you can't do that. And this practice of, of ethnic purity in marriage is a sack of rotten potatoes that has to be thrown in the trash. And so once again, we see in Scripture um, this cycle that we, we outgrow things, things don't age well, and then the Lord calls us to new things, and that's good. All right, back to the rest of the sermon. Uh, we see this over and over again, and Scripture is clear on this, that this is part of our experience as humans, is that we're not able to maintain doing well. We're not able to maintain doing rightly and doing justice and loving mercy and walking humbly with our God. Those things have to be reset and renewed on a periodic basis, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in larger ways, and sometimes on the largest scale of things. And we know this. I mean, to give you a, a fun example, when I was a child, The Lone Ranger was one of my favorite television shows. 
I used to get up early on Saturday morning and watch reruns because, of course, there was no YouTube. There was nothing like that. Um, and so years ago, this is before our sons were born, uh, Amy and I and, our, and Emily and Caitlin, we were uh, on a road trip somewhere. I don't even remember where now. But we stopped at a Cracker Barrel to eat, okay? And, uh, the, you know, the, have the store out front. And they had a DVD of the entire Lone Ranger series, all the seasons or whatever. And I got so excited. I was like, oh, girls, I loved this show. You're going to love it. So I bought the DVD. We took it home. And after our trip was over, we sat down with Eve and like, all right, we're going we're gonna to watch the Lone Ranger. I loved the show. I used to dress up as the Lone Ranger for Halloween. This is going to be great. And we didn't make it five minutes into the first episode. Uh, the overt racism was was ridiculous. Uh, the mass murder and the shootings and the suffering and the violence, it was like, oh, um, this has not aged well. This hasn't aged well at all. Um, and, and we had this again years later. We had watched Back to the Future, uh, which was one of my favorite movies when I was a teenager. Uh, when it came out, we watched it on TNT, and we liked it so much, or uh, the girls enjoyed it with me, that for Christmas that year, they bought me the, the Blu-ray box set of all three movies. And we, we broke those out. Let's watch them all. And um, I wasn't ready for the amount of language in those movies. Uh, the TNT version had like changed all the bad words to something that weren't curse words. Um, the, the original movies are, 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 are quite, uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of language in those movies. And for young children, if you're uncomfortable with that, it's, uh, I don't think that movie gets, those movies get a PG rating uh, in our day and age. Again, it hasn't aged well. And we know this in lots of ways. Things don't necessarily age well because our sensibilities change, our culture changes, the world changes, and we're always changing and morphing with it for good or for ill. Things come alive, they grow, they decay, and they die. This is the natural process of things. And we're in that moment again. And the good news for us is that Hannah has for us she says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My strength rises up in the Lord. My mouth mocks my enemies because I rejoice in your deliverance. It's God who brings us joy and strength and deliverance. It's God that stands by us as a doula and helps us uh, to, to labor and, and birth and create whatever the new expression is. And that's the moment that we're in right now. And I just want to give just the, the briefest word this morning to, as, we, as we still sit in the lament that we're in from COVID and from all of the travails that our society is going through. And as we start to come back together and imagine what it looks like to come together. What's the best use of our shared time? Uh, what does it look like to be in a space? How do we make it safe so everyone feels welcome and invited in and, and able to participate safely and well and, and authentically? And as we do that, the Lord is the one who is with us. It's the Lord that makes the space sacred. It's the Lord that is our foundation and our rock. Our foundation is not our, our theology, our foundation is not our liturgy, our foundation is not uh, our, our, our singing the songs that we sing or, or the way I preach or someone else preaches. Our foundation is God himself. Our foundation is the Holy Spirit. You know, for, for years, if you've been in the vineyard, you know that uh, a classic tagline for vineyard is come Holy Spirit. We, we like to say that at the beginning of services um, to, to sort of like it's us ringing our sacred bell to say, all right, now we're entering sacred time. And, and it's been wonderful and, and, 
and it's it's captured the imagination it's helped people to focus but it's also never been true that the holy spirit comes when we say come the holy spirit doesn't have to come because the holy spirit is here i'm standing here in an empty building and the holy spirit is here and it's not just here in a generic, like, omnipresent sort of way. He's here. I was just sharing some of this with one of our congregants, and they got goosebumps as I was sharing the idea that, that the divine deliverance is midwifery. And it was that person that said, God is our doula. They gave me this title. So I'm feeling a especially strong presence of the Spirit right now, even as I share this, because the Lord is with us. And we can trust in the Lord's leading. We can trust in the Lord's strength. It's okay for us to look back and say, that wasn't good. It might have worked for that time, but it's not going to work for now. It might have been good for us to say, come Holy Spirit. And of course, the, the, the story that got told was that was what Lonnie Frisbee said on Mother's Day 1980. And that's when the Spirit fell, when he said, come Holy Spirit. Except if you go back and listen to the audio, it's on YouTube. He never says that phrase. He doesn't say that at all. Uh, it, does, it didn't happen like that in, in any sense of the word. And it might not have been 1980. It might have been 1979. But that's a whole other story for another day. But Lonnie Frisbee did lead a, a Sunday evening gathering on some Mother's Day, either 79 or 80. Um, and he spoke gently. And he invited people to just this sort of thing. To, to, to sit in the presence of the Lord and wait. And the Lord would come close to them and do the work that they needed done in their lives. And it did have an, an amazing effect. And I would encourage you to listen to that because what you'll find is there's not a whole lot to hang your hat on if you're trying to build a system or a program or even a theology. There's none of that there. There's just an invitation to be together in the presence of the Lord. There's an invitation to build connection, to build friendship between us and the Lord, between us and each other, between us within our own selves, and I would add between us and creation. This is where we're going, and the foundation of it is right here, the same thing that Hannah experienced when she was at the tabernacle with Eli, whose sons were awful, but who was still doing the work of the Lord. And so we're in that moment again where, like, Leaders who were like Eli's sons or like Samuel's sons, I'm sorry, um, we're going to have to have new, new leadership. We're going to have to replace you because you're just, you're, you're, you're abusive and you're harmful. And that's, of course, where the church is in many respects. Um, but all of these things, all of these things are things we can trust the Lord with. It's okay if those who are in power are no longer in power. It's okay if the Lord raises up other people to be in power. It's okay. And that's what I want us to hear this morning in this season is God as our doula standing beside us as we're birthing whatever we're birthing saying to us, it's going to be okay. I'm with you. My presence is with you. I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to give you the energy and the strength and the guidance to do this work of delivering new life, new birth, us co-creating and sub-creating our own world our own lives, our own society, on the foundation and within the presence of God. So that's what stood out to me as I was reading from Hannah this morning. And I would encourage you to read that story and reflect on that and see. And, and I, I'm not going to read the gospel passage this week because I, I went ahead last week and talked about it because our gospel reading from the, for today is where Jesus talks about the temple and all the stones being torn down. And it's, again, the same thing I'm talking about here. The temple 
in Jesus' day was as abusive as Eli's sons and as abusive as Samuel's sons. And Jesus knew that, and he called it, you know, a den of, a den of thieves, a robber's den, because he knew they were storing stolen goods underneath the temple. Um, and he said, look, not one of these stones is going to stand here. This whole thing is coming down. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Because it's abusive and it's harmful. So we're in a season, the church is in a season, hopefully our society is in a season, where abusive structures and abusive systems are torn down and more just systems are put in place. So I hope you will reflect on these texts this week. Um, next Sunday, we're going to have extended worship uh, on, on November 21st. So I hope you can join us for that. And then the Sunday after is the first Sunday of Advent, and we're going to decorate this joint for Christmas. If you want to join us for that, we'd love to have you come with us. So I love you. I hope you've gotten something out of this message. And I pray that you would just reflect this week on what does it look like for God to be your doula and deliverance to look like you delivering something that God assists in the delivery with. I love you, and I will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast. For more information about our church and community center, including our food pantry, life skills training, legal aid, after school and sports programs, and international missions, and how to contact us, visit GainesvilleVineyard.org or find us on Facebook. Our page name is GN Vineyard. We also have original worship songs available on iTunes. Just search for Gainesville Vineyard. You can support the work we're doing by texting the word GIVE to 352-562-7771. All donations are tax deductible. We appreciate you listening to this message and pray the Spirit speaks directly to you through something you've heard today. God bless.